You know, when Christmas is approaching, particularly when kids are out of school, parents use a certain ploy to try to get their children to behave as they're pinging off the walls waiting for Santa to arrive. And you know, it's Santa's watching. You better be good. You know, like the song, you better not shout, you better not cry, you better not pout, I'm telling you why. He sees you when you're sleeping, knows when you're awake, knows if you've been bad or good, so be good for goodness sake. You know, we use those ploys as parents, you know, just to keep the kids in check before Christmas. What do you do after? See, because we have this idea of we want kids to be good. We want to be good. It's all about being good. And Really, in many ways, adults are moving into that realm right now as we consider our New Year's resolutions. Am I going to be good? Am I going to keep my New Year's resolution? How long am I going to keep it? Am I going to keep it throughout the year? Am I even making one? Because I don't want to be good. But we have this idea. We want to be good. We want our kids to be good. What does it mean to be good? And we just celebrated Christmas when Jesus came. Is that why Jesus came? So that we would be good? Is that really what it's about? Being good. I mean, so many people in the world and even in the church think that Jesus came to teach us about how to live, morality. He was a great moral teacher. He taught us to think about what does it mean to be God-conscious, to live with God and thinking about God in our lives so that that would help us be good. But that's really in part some of what he did. Because he was a great moral teacher, because he was a good person, not only a good person, the perfect person, in his love, in his life. But that's not the primary reason that he came. The primary reason that he came and why we celebrate Christmas is because God came into the world, Emmanuel, God with us, to become, as his name says, Jesus, our Savior, to save us from our sin because we're not always good. Nobody is always good. Nobody is always bad. It's He came to save us from our sin because we all sin. We're all tainted by sin. You know, when my parents, going back to those days, wanted us to behave... One of the threats they used was putting coal in our stockings and, you know, as our presents, depending upon how bad you were. And what's coal? It's black. It's to remind you you're bad and you don't want that. You know, and in western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh area, what was coal used for? Blast furnaces. Not a pleasant thought. And coal mining. You know, those West Virginians and those southwest PA people. That's not what you wanted. That's not what you wanted to think about was the blackness, the badness. But Jesus came to, quote, unquote, wash away our sin. To deal with our sin. But not just so that we would be good, but rather so that we would walk with him. And allow him to change us by the power of his Holy Spirit working in us. See, when you focus on being good, oftentimes 
you're not, and you know you fail, and then you struggle with that, and then you wrestle with guilt and shame and all. It's about walking with Christ and allowing him to deal with our sin and our shortcomings. That we keep our eyes focused and fixed on him. That's really what the Christian life is about. We learn about what that looks like through his word so that we seek to follow him, but we can't do it without him. That's why we need a savior. That's why we need someone to be the Lord of our lives because we're not good at it. And we will mess up and every part of our lives is tainted. See, and we don't even just get this picture from the New Testament. You actually get it from the Old Testament. And if you've been here or if you've been in church throughout Advent and throughout the Christmas season, you hear readings from Isaiah. Kind of the more famous readings, Isaiah 7, 9, 11, that talk about the Messiah and we sing about and Handel's Messiah. Those are kind of the, some of the famous passages. But then you get to Isaiah 40 through 53, which we think about a lot during the Lent and Easter season, the suffering servant passages. The servant passages about who this person would be, this Messiah, this anointed one, and what he would come to do, and how he would suffer and take our place for our sin, particularly Isaiah 52 and 53. So we have all these pictures from Isaiah that basically lay out the gospel, which is what the New Testament talks about. The scriptures are sufficient for your salvation. It's talking about the Old Testament primarily. But when you get to Isaiah 61 through 66 about, what you're really getting is not only a picture of Christ's first coming and what happens to us, but his second coming too. And what he is saving us for and what he is saving us from. And that's part of the picture that we have today. The picture we have today comes from Isaiah, the early chapters, and it talks about what this Messiah is going to do for us. And if you look in particular, you can look in your bulletin or you can look in your Bible in the pews, page 678. The passage, Isaiah 61.10, begins with, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, my whole being shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. If you catch it, he's the one that clothes us with salvation. We are covered. You know, some people covered with the blood of Christ, washed by the blood of Christ. Some people use that language. But what it means, basically, is we are putting on his righteousness because that's how God will see us, perfect because he was perfect. We're putting on his righteousness because that's what he secured for us by the cross. It's this new clothing. And we have a couple of great pictures in Scripture that talk about the same thing. Zechariah, not a well-known prophet. Zechariah chapter 3, talking about the high priest that represents the people, Joshua. Let me read it to you. Then he showed me the high priest, Joshua, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing at his right hand to accuse him. Satan is called the accuser. The Lord who has... The Lord rebuke you, O Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed with filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. And to him he said, See, I have taken your guilt away from you, and I will clothe you with festal apparel. Let them put a clean turban on his head. This is the picture. This is the picture of what God does in Christ. 
The theological term is imputed righteousness. We receive his righteousness because we've received his salvation. You know, I don't know how many of you, when you got ready for church today, looked through your hamper to put on clothes for church. Some of you might have. I, you know, I'm sorry, you might have. Looking around, maybe. But the reality is we go to our closet and we go to our dresser and our suitcase, whatever we have that has our clean clothes, and we put on clean clothes. That's what we typically do. Scripture over and over again refers to the bride of Christ and dressed up as a bride for her bridegroom. I did two weddings in the last two weeks. The brides looked beautiful. They were dressed in white. They didn't just throw something on. Trust me. That's what we're talking about. There's an intentionality to it. They were dressed in his righteousness. Clothed in his salvation. That's the picture that we're meant to have through Jesus Christ. And then Isaiah 61.11 goes on to say, So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all the nations. Righteousness and praise. So on the one hand, because of Jesus coming into our hearts and lives and his changing us, as we put on his salvation, the new garment, the wedding gown, the new clothes, then we become righteous. What do you do with dirty clothes? Sometimes you throw them into the hamper and you do laundry. Sometimes you throw them away. I've done that. Sometimes you burn them because they're so bad. See, that's how intentional we are to be about taking away these garments and putting on his righteousness, which means we need to come to him every day, just like we get changed in new clothes every day, clean clothes. We come to him every day. To ask for his filling, his Holy Spirit, to cause us to live that righteous life. To cause us to walk with him and walk for him and walk for others because we're filled with his spirit and transformed. But it's not just about living that kind of life, his life, becoming like Christ. It's about praise. That we long to be in his presence. To praise him to thank him, to worship him. Individually, we do that in our own time. Corporately, we do it when we gather for worship. That's God's desire and design. That we live a righteous life, that we live a life of worship. Where we're seeking to serve the Lord because that's what worship worship is about. And grow in the knowledge and love of him so that we can take that to the world. So that we are changed and transformed. So that we can, with his love, love other people. That's what God's design and desire is with this righteousness that comes through Christ. And in fact, if you look at 62, chapter 62, verse 2, Isaiah also says, the nations shall see your vindication and all the kings your glory. The vindication that Christ has done for us. And you shall be called 
by a new name. You shall be called by a new name. Think of how many people biblically had their names changed for a specific reason. It indicated something. Abraham, father of nations. Jacob to Israel, one who strives with God. Simon to Peter because of his statement, you are the Messiah. He's the rock. He becomes the rock. Saul to Paul, the apostle, because he became apostle to the Gentiles. We could go on and on about name changes. And we have a name change. We are called Christian, Christ one. To live like Christ because his Holy Spirit fills us and transforms us. That's the key. That's the gift. And sometimes we forget. We forget what we're really supposed to be about in Christ. I wonder sometimes would we forget to put on the right clothes or clothes at all. Not usually. Usually we're pretty intentional about how we dress. You know, I think about Christmas and how people were dressed for Christmas primarily or Christmas parties. There was an intentionality there. Some of you will be going to a New Year's Eve party. We're probably staying home with two dogs and a grandchild so that our kids can go out with their wives. It'll be great. We'll all be in bed before midnight. (laughs) But you dress for parties. I guarantee you the three guys I play golf with on Thursdays, they were all dressed in Clemson gear last night. Purple or orange, which one do you wear, Rick? (laughs) It's interesting. I went to bed. I I tried to go to bed earlier on Saturday night. It was 16-0, Ohio State. And I thought the Clemson fans today would be wearing black. (laughs) It's interesting. Clothing often will say something. Sometimes when we don't even feel like going out, we dress the part and when we get there, we're glad we did. It can change our mentality. Well, when we're dressed in the righteousness of Christ, because we recognize he died for us, we're changed. We're meant to change. We're meant to be transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit. We're not the same. We're different. If you caught it, it's your mind, it's your heart, it's your life. John 1 says, the light of life has come into the world. The light of life. His light is to shine in our lives. We are to be filled with his life. In verse 12 of John 1, we have the power to become his children. There's the change. We take on his name. We become part of his family. There's meant to be a family of resemblance. Have you put on the garment of salvation? Christ in you that changes you. 
Have you put on his righteousness? It doesn't happen by trying to be good. It comes by walking with him and being filled with his spirit. So that your name is changed. Your heart is changed. Your mind is changed. Your life is changed. That we live for his glory and we bless other people because of that. I want to close with one other picture of being clothed. This comes out of Colossians chapter 3. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. That we bear that fruit. That we live a righteous life because his spirit flows through us. His light shines through us. As we begin a new year, let's commit to having his name on our lives and live as his family, individually, together. Let's pray. Lord God, we praise you and thank you for the gift of your son, that because of his life, coming to be our savior, born in Bethlehem for a purpose, to go to the cross for our sake, so that we might be clothed in righteousness and live a righteous life because of him, because of the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Lord, as we move toward this new year and into this new year, cause us to be resolved to walk with you, that we might be filled with your Holy Spirit and changed by your grace, your gift, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.